this is episode 290 for March 2014, and that opening music is from the 1960s Spider-Man cartoon, which we'll talk about in this episode. Hey, Crawl Spacers, we've got a treat for you on this episode. We have author Sean Howe. He uh, wrote the book, The Marvel, The Untold Story. Thanks for talking with us, Sean. Yeah, my pleasure. And talk a bit about the book, how it came about. This is a thick, essentially, from day one to the current of Marvel history. Right, right. Um, and, and you know, that, that history goes back a ways. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. For either you or I were alive by a, by a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, I had been a, a, a big Marvel fan uh, since I was, you know, probably seven or eight years old, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, which, you know, coincided with, among other things, the uh, that handbook of the Marvel Universe. Uh, oh that, yeah, that the first Mark, came out. Mark Grunewald did. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would imagine a lot of people listening, you know, <laughs> know what that is in a second. But you know, it was it was just kind of you know my first exposure to an encyclopedia like approach to this this universe that I had you know only glimpsed a little bit of, and and so to to kind of get this almost catalog of, of what was awaiting me, you know, um, <laughs> a, a, a kind of like a, you know, it's like, it's like a, somebody obsessed with bird watching, you know, getting one of those <laughs> books and thinking, I, yeah. I'm going to look out for all these. Um, and I think just, you know, something about being a, a kid in a small town, uh, you know, well before the internet, um, yeah. you know, I didn't have cable television. Uh, there was just, there was something about, this, you know, this kind of open door to another world that was really, really colorful. Um, and so, so that was, that was kind of, yeah, I had a very happy childhood, but that was my, that was my yeah. escape from, from, you know, the doldrums, I guess. Did you, did you, did you start with the spinner rack you said? I mean, do you remember your first issue you picked up in the eighties? You know, I don't, um, I, I remember, you know, various, uh, mostly non-Marvel comics, you know, that mm-hmm. maybe my dad would, would pick up for me when we went to the drugstore or something. Uh, but it was, you know, around 82, 83 that um, my dad first took me into a comic book store. Um, oh, okay. And, and uh, that was really when it was all over. <laughs> you know, there was, <laughs> uh, uh, there was a store called Dream Days in Syracuse, New York. And uh, it was... You know, you couldn't you couldn't have a better a better exposure to uh, to that world. Um, it was you know kind of a an older well I guess it's time he was probably only thirty, but but it was like this you know this guy who who had, had clearly been you know a carryover from the early seventies uh, you know underground comics culture who who ran the store, and so you know there was a, there was a lot beyond just um, you know your your most popular Marvel and DC comics there. Um, it was, you could, you could kind of go in there and, and, and see, you know, in, in different sections of the store, like, Oh, this is, maybe this is where I'll end up when I'm 14 and where I'll end up when I'm 16, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And, and he was, just, he was just a really, a, a super, um, you know, uh, it, it was nice to go to a store that wasn't about, that wasn't about like collectability. Right, like like the '90s, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Talk about since this is a Spider-Man related show, we're going to stick to Spider-Man a little bit uh, more than the other stuff. But your first exposure to Spider-Man, do you remember when that was? 
I don't exactly, but I do remember watching the CBS show. Uh, yeah. You know, L- I, I don't know if that was 77, yeah. 77, 78. Yeah, about that time. Yeah. Yeah, when, I remember watching Hulk, that. Hulk when was, was going on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Spider-Man and Hulk, I was I was big fans of both of those. So probably the right. probably that's you know what what pulled the Marvel tentacles on me first. <laughs> and it also Amazing Friends is what got me in the, in the early eighties. Oh yeah, I was a so. regular watcher of that too. <laughs> <laughs> now talk about how the book came about. Uh, Harper Collins, did they come to you, or how did the book? Come about? No, no. You know, I, I've been. Uh, I didn't really pay much attention to comics throughout the nineties, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, college and and uh, you know, moving moving New York and being broke, things like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and then uh, I guess you know around ninety nine or two thousand, I I kind of slowly got back into paying attention to what was going on with comics. And by that time, there had been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of historically minded fanzines that had popped up. Um, right. And so I would start reading interviews with, you know, Jerry Conway, for instance, and Jim Shooter and, and start to kind of piece together what this, you know, the, the real version of events that I, I had, had not really known about. Um, right. And I, I, as I read those, I, just, you know, was kind of compulsively paging through, you know, I guess they were like bad HTML websites <laughs> where I read a lot of these, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I was just thinking, well, this is a great story. Um, yeah. and so I basically looking forward to somebody else. I figured somebody, somebody's going to write this story and I'll love to read it. And about, you know, five, six, seven years later, no one had done it, and I decided that I I should finally just go for it. Right, and you're a former uh, editor at Entertainment Weekly, and and Entertainment right. Weekly has been covering the movie since about ninety nine two thousand when the X Men and Blade came out. Uh, they really popped into pop culture. I mean, when they started making money, people started noticing them a lot more. Yeah, yeah, in in, in the entertainment business, yeah, yeah. So that was also you know the beginning yeah. of that, but it. It still wasn't. Um, yeah, I've got to say, when I when I uh, was was talking to publishers about this idea, there were you know a lot of people saying, well, you know, comic book books about comic books don't really sell, and and so there, you know there were a lot of people who just didn't think that people would be interested in a book about Marvel comics, even at, you know in two thousand two thousand eight. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, talk about the research. In reading up on it, it says uh, that you interviewed over a hundred creators and people involved in Marvel. Mm-hmm. Right. Talk a bit about that. Uh, you know, the transcribing is the worst part. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> Did you record um, it with like a camera or a, like a little cassette player? I mean, not cassette player, but uh, yeah, just like a little. A, I a guess little, a little digital uh, Olympus uh, uh, recorder. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just you know, thankfully you know, Facebook and uh, just the internet in general make yeah. it a lot easier to track down people. Even more so now than you know, even when I was working on the book, there there are a few instances of, of people that I didn't really know how to get in touch with, and and after a while yeah. gave up on, and and now I know how to find them. <laughs> but 
But one of my uh, favorite that that uh, yeah, actually, we'll give a little plug to your Tumblr. It's seanhow.tumblr.com. I love the rejection letter from Ditko that you had. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Talk you. about that. I mean, is that the only contact you had with him? I mean, that, that's it, it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I his his address is not impossible to find. Right. You know, where his studio is and where his studio has been for a long time, and so I. I wrote him a postcard requesting that, you know, maybe I could, uh, or I guess it was a letter, um, requesting, uh, you know, if he would, he would talk to me about, about Marvel comics. And I really didn't expect that he would, but he was nice enough to send me a very, very short reply. Um, uh, I, I, I haven't, I actually, let's see, you know, it's all no longer up on my refrigerator. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> See, but, I uh, it'd, be, it'd be a rejection letter I'd frame. I would. I mean, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, there's something along the lines of, of, you know, dear Sean, I am not available to talk to you for your writing project. Regard, yeah. bestie. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Now, were you able to talk, talk to uh, Stanley and, and John Romita in per- person for the book? Uh, not in person. I talked to both okay. of them on the phone. Um, okay. Uh, I did fly out to Los Angeles uh, with a, a, a interview time scheduled with Stanley, and his office canceled after I oh. arrived in LA. <laughs> and I never, that sucks. <laughs> I never did, uh, I never did get an answer why. Uh, uh. But, but, uh, but I did talk to him on the phone before that, and uh, I, I, I talked to uh, John Romita as well. Um, and I guess, yeah, a lot of other, a lot of other yeah. folks. Well, talk, let's talk a bit a little about the beginning of Spider-Man. And, and you were talking about in the book, the idea of Spider-Man was floating around back in the fifties with Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. The character was a spider, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's the very first mention of it. Yeah. You know, I'm probably not going to be very good at, um, uh, doing other, you know, anything other than than sloppily, okay. you know, trying to recall. It's okay. How I wrote about it, but um, yeah. but but uh, you know, it was it was supposedly a, a you know proposal that that uh, Jack Kirby had from you know I I can't even remember if it was a if it was a Simon Kirby proposal originally. Um, yeah. yeah, these are these are the the parts where my. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I worry about going off the cuff on these things and, and just okay. laying out a lot of false false information. But okay. uh, it's out there. Basically, <laughs> basically the, I guess Stan Lee thought of the teenage aspect and he pitched it to Kirby, and he didn't. I didn't. I, he didn't like it. Evidently, he didn't like that. Uh, I guess he was too muscular, etc. He wanted a more uh, slanky superhero. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what. I think Stan Lee says anyway, yeah. I, and I, I don't remember how all the different accounts line up, but, but certainly it, it, you know, it feels like a, um, it just, it, it feels like it couldn't have possibly been a, a Jack Kirby character and been anything like what we know. Right. Um, right. yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, one, one, one thing that I really wish that I had, had managed to gather together before, uh, before finishing the book was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the various Steve Ditko, uh, I guess editorials 
that he has self-published mm-hmm. over the years about about Spider-Man, which are right. you know scattered throughout many um, you know little stapled fanzines that are many of them are out of print. Um, but but that tells you know that tells the Steve Ditko side of. Stuff. Yeah, I've seen and, a few of them. It has like word balloons of an idea of a kid with a spider, and on the other side, it's the costume design, etc. The Ditko produces, and he's like, "Who's the creator?" <laughs> right. But right. Uh, the 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 relationship between Steve and uh, Stan, I guess, started strong, but by issue thirty, it ended. And I think in your book, you talked about that interview that Lee did with the Herald Tribune. And that kind of ticked off Kirby. It ticked off Ditko because Stan came off as creating the whole universe, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think, I, you know, no one that Ditko can really say if, if, if that right. if that interview had anything to do with him leaving. I, I think there were a bunch of other factors um, at the time. Uh, but, but, you know, certainly the very end of 1965, the very beginning of 1966, is uh you know <laughs> probably a big headache for Stan Lee because right because he's yeah. got you know his two his his two you know main collaborators are are extremely yeah. unhappy with with you know their working situations um yeah. and I don't know if you saw um but I I put on YouTube there's a mm-hmm. there's a audio of Stan Lee talking at Princeton um did you happen to Yeah yeah, I did. Joke? I did see that. I yeah. shared it on the front page of the Crawl Space. Yeah, oh, he's, oh, he's confused. He, he's as confused as the rest of us. Why Ditko left? <laughs> right, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and another thing, I think you, you hit on about the book. Uh, one possible contribution that he left is the cartoon royalties. I don't, I think he felt cheated a bit with that too, with the Spider-Man 1966 cartoon. Yeah, and again, you know, all the stuff with you know. When it comes down to Lee and Kirby arguments and, and Lee mm-hmm. and, and Ditko disagreements, there's so much of it that it's really hard to say with, with any, you know, yeah. feeling like you're absolutely on top of it. I mean, you know, so many, so many things have been put out there that may or may not be just complete, you know, myth. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was, there was, Spider-Man was, was becoming a, a, you know, a, I guess a, a transmedia property. <laughs> yeah. You know, they probably weren't calling it that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Steve Ditko, uh, possibly was, you know, feeling like he was getting, he was getting the short end of his stick. Yeah. Well, talk, talk, he's such a mystery. I mean, he, he won't talk and Kirby has passed away and Stan Lee's memory is bad. <laughs> so where, yeah. where do we turn to for that? I mean, specifically Ditko. I mean, are we ever going to find out? Why he's such a mystery to us? I well, mean, you know, you you, I, you, you tried. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will say, you know, I will yeah. say that there are probably a lot of people who, you know, it's it's not like he doesn't talk to people who work in the industry at all. Um, he does have, you know, he does have friends, artists that that you know he has contact with, and and every once in a while, a story will sort of, you know, just an anecdote will will kind of you know get out into the world and. I think that the people who have relationships with him, you really don't want to, you know, don't want to upset him. Um, so it is possible yeah. that, you know, years from now, people, people will be a little more forthcoming about their, their experiences with him and their conversations with him. Um, 
So, so it, you know, from a historical perspective, you know, there's there's that to hope for. Yeah. How long did it take you to write the book? You said in 2008 you were thinking about it. Did it, it several years? What? Well, I spent uh, I spent the summer of 2009 putting mm-hmm. together a sample chapter and uh, proposal, and then. I got the contract at the end of 2009 and turned in the first draft in, I believe, March of 2012. So wow. that's if, if I'm if I'm if I'm getting those numbers correct, you know, it's that's about two to three years. Yeah. What, what what was the research like? Because you you did the interviews. I mean, did you go to Marvel and look through the archives, or how did you get find all this stuff? Because every day you have something new on your Tumblr account, pretty much the images, etc. Yeah, that I've yeah. Seen. Yeah. It's you know, it's just for you know, for for better or worse, it's it's something that you know I I've continued to be pulled into. You know, yeah. Even since the 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 book was published, I I, I you know part of it is I just had so much. You know, uh, so much uh, on my desktop from from yeah. research that I I kind of just wanted to to share that because I thought it would be entertaining for people, and mm-hmm. uh, and I you know I, I guess as I've had more and more interaction with people in the you know comics community since then you know I I guess people you know people sort of point my way to things and um, you know it's 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 great I, I wish I wish that uh, I wish that Marvel <laughs> would 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 uh, you know would have an archive like that yeah. you know available to people. Um, right. you know, that's that's the trick when you when when there's a when there are trademarks involved. Um, it's it's hard to you know it's it's hard to just right. decide that you're going to be the one to to keep it all together. Yeah. What's the what's the weirdest thing that you found? I, one of the things I I found that no I'd never seen before is the the naked Stanley with the treasury on the couch. I've, no one's ever seen that. Yeah, I wish I wish I could say that that I uh, had a, a a really you know a story that demonstrated how clever I am. I had heard about that photo shoot, um, yeah. and Elliot Brown had had told me that he couldn't you know he shot the photo. He told me that he no longer could find the negatives for it, um, <laughs> bar prints. And I somehow stumbled upon it on a, I think it was a German website that <laughs> was promoting the movie about Stan Lee that came out a few years ago. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think, I think it was, I think it was actually in his collection and I think it somehow just like fell into the promotional materials, but, but nobody had really, yeah, nobody had really, had really noticed I, that there was this naked I, picture. <laughs> <laughs> I shared that on my front page also. Uh, people thought it very funny that he didn't use a normal comic book. He used a giant, uh, a treasury size. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that was no accident, right? Right. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Before yeah. we move away from Ditko to Romita Senior, uh, w- one thing w- didn't touch on a little bit in the book, but I wanted to see if you had any information on it. Uh, back in the '80s, Ditko came back to Marvel, unlike Kirby, and he uh, was penciling Rom, and he introduced Speedball. And also, mm-hmm. uh, oh, oh, what's that? Squirrel Girl, in a one shot with Iron Man. Right. And, any anything that you could find about why he came back? I mean, needed the no. work, you think, or what? What? Uh... You know, not really. I I I had hopes. I had hoped that maybe Marv Wolfman, uh, who I think edited those um, Machine Man issues, maybe I'm, right. I'm not sure about that. But uh, 
I talked to the people who would have been, you know, kind of contacting him in, I guess, 78 or 79. And, yeah. and, uh, nobody really had any, you know, just, oh, he, you know, he needed work and, and, uh, yeah. we were happy to have him. Uh, I mean, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something more to that, right. <laughs> than that, but, but that goes one, in the category thing. of disco things we don't know. And he refused to do Spider-Man or Doctor Strange, I understand. And, and I, I did, cause I, I'm, I'm fascinated with Ditko and one, one panel in ROM, uh, some inker penciled a black-suited Spider-Man in the background of Ditko's pencils. So I'm like, I bet you right. he was ticked at that. So, um, if he ever saw it, you know? Who's to, who's yeah, to maybe. Who knows? Yeah. He even looked. Yeah. yeah. Ramita Sr., a very different individual than Steve Ditko. Uh-huh. Uh, did, were you able to interview him in person? Uh, just just on the, on the phone. He, and, on the phone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Virginia, Virginia Romita answered. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the saddest things in the book it, it, it was involving Romita when he was having to fire his friends towards the end of his time at Marvel. That just broke my heart when you wrote that. I, that was just so sad to read. Oh, I know. That you know that. Uh, yeah, that that story really floored me. Um, yeah. Because you know he's he's not a he's not a human resources guy. That's not what he that's not what he yeah. got into the business for. And and to have you know to have a, an artist and someone with a, an artist's sensibilities, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just it's just a very strange uh, you know management uh, decision to, yeah. to put John Romita in charge of firing people. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible thing. The '90s, the cutbacks, etc., and the bankruptcy led up to that. I think he he left soon after that after he had to fire people. Yeah, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. He'd been he'd been sort of wanting to retire, but not really. You know, he kept kind of hedging, and then uh, you know, yeah. it, it, he, I think he figured things couldn't really get much worse, and if they did, right. he wasn't going to be around to watch it. One, one discussion we've had on the podcast in the past is: What would Spider-Man be like? Let me get your opinion on this. What would Spider-Man be like if uh, Romita Senior penciled him instead of uh, Ditko? Do you think he'd be as popular? Or what's your? Th- oh, you mean originally? Yeah, if, if Ditko and Kirby didn't touch Spider-Man, if Stanley started with John Romita Senior, what do you think? Th- would he be as popular? You know, uh, boy, I mean, then you have to go back to yeah. what? What would the you know what would the costume look like? <laughs> you know, right, right. Um, and it's I mean it's it's hard to you know. It's 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 hard to to even from from that point. I mean, uh, presumably the reason that Spider-Man sold in the first place was because of you know because of that costume. Maybe it was yes. that Jack Kirby cover. I don't you know I, I don't. I, I think the costume was was really the um, what yeah. did it, um, and that would pull people in. And then you know so many of those Ditko stories you know that were that were so powerful. I mean, so many of those mm-hmm. were, were done with with really minimal input from Stan Lee. And so then you'd have, you know, whatever John Romita brought to it, uh, you know, I have no idea what it would be. Um, That that costume is so iconic. I mean, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, Ditko knocked it out of the park when he designed it. I mean, you can't take that away from him. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, We got to hit on Romita's Mary Jane that added to the mythos. I mean, he came from a romance background of drawing beautiful girls. (laughs) Right. Right. It's yeah. I mean, 
you definitely uh, you you could you know like Bitco's Gwen Stacy wasn't wasn't somebody that you know you I would necessarily right. like you know look uh, look twice at <laughs> but but uh, uh, you know John Romita really you know he really he really took away all the all the rough edges of of Bitco and and those. Those characters are are really. I mean, they they, they do become almost Archie like in a sense. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, They're a lot more but, attractive than Ditko's people. <laughs> yeah. Spider Man's yeah. a little a little more muscular. Uh, Gwen is a little bit more drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. You know, I, I know I know a lot of people. Um, you know, think that after Ditko left, you know, Spider Man was was never something that. You know, they they feel like. It, it was just a, a joke after after that, and you know, to me, I I, I missed Ramita and Ditko in terms of in terms of yeah. you know what my early experiences were. So there is something there is something just about the character, you know, from the very beginning that is is yeah. powerful enough to to transcend, you know, whoever's drawing it. Right. Let's talk a bit about Stan. It seems since since the '70s, since he left Marvel to go to the West Coast. He was trying to get something on television. The poor guy spent decades. Uh, I, I remember reading about Daredevil and a dog. He tried to get going or something yeah, like that. Right, right. Uh, just talk about Stan's. He, he's been since the seventies trying to get these characters in front of television and film. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess since the mid sixties, even. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, so what? You know, that's. That's nearly a half century that he's been been pushing for that. Um, yeah. You know. Um, so, yeah, by 1970, Stan Lee was, or maybe 71. You know, he he really kind of he was ready to throw in the towel on uh, <laughs> on the comic book, you know, medium, and uh, yeah. and he kind of saw movies as his escape, his escape hatch, and uh, right. you know. He uh, just started kind of plugging away and, and wanted to make those Hollywood relationships happen. And it took, as we've seen, you know, decades. Um, yeah. I think it was in 1980 when he finally moved out to Los Angeles and and started started working on that full time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think of if you think of the how long that is to go without. <laughs> From 1980, yeah, you know, if you think about how, like, how much there was to show for for all that time that he was putting in, um, right. you know, before Blade came out, um, right, you know, I guess there was there was you know the X Men cartoon series in the early 90s, and and then there right. were various, you know, non non superhero Marvel successes, but um, uh, you know, he, he really just kind of. He, he outlasted all the naysayers, I guess. He, he's going to outlast us all. He's, what, 91 or 92 now? I mean, it's amazing. I've I met him a few yeah. times, and he's a lot younger than some 20-year-olds I know. Right, um, right. In reading the book, I found a couple themes that uh, you can agree or disagree with. I, I think the 1960s and the 1980s were kind of a similar time for Marvel. Marvel, They had a lot of growth, and I think they had strong leadership a little bit from Lee and Shooter. And the seventies mm-hmm. and the nineties were a bit of a turmoil time. Would you would you agree with that, or what's your thoughts on that? Well, I would, but I would also say that you know, in yeah. terms of strong leadership, I I would say that you know, and it's a subjective 
right. taste thing, I guess. But but I feel like you know Roy Thomas really, you know, uh, he 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 led in a different way, and and there was a lot more a lot more artistic freedom. Um, I think I think Roy Roy Thomas managed to hold together a really really chaotic um, system um, for as for as long as he could. And then, you know, after, after he left, I think it just got harder for, for everyone. Right. And then, you know, Jim Shooter did kind of, kind of come in and, and, uh, you know, as they say, make the trains run on time. Um, <laughs> he, he is a love or hate kind of guy. There's not much in between when it comes to Shooter from every article I've ever read about him. Well, and, I, I, not, not to, <laughs> not to argue with you there, but, but I, yeah. you know, I, I do, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that, I think that there is, there is room for a little bit, a little bit more, more nuance, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people have decided that he's a love or hate kind of guy, and then they go about deciding which it is, <laughs> you know, which side they're going to take. But, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely can see a lot of, a lot of good stuff that he brought to Marvel. Um, right. you know, I, I, it's, it's always hard to completely separate what an editor in chief is doing from what the people above the editor in chief are doing because, right. you know, as, as readers, we don't really see a lot of the corporate decisions that, you know, have to be carried out, um, you know, from an editor in chief, uh, or by an editor in chief. Were you able to talk to Shooter or interview him? I was. Yep. yep. Oh, good. How, how did that go? Went, it went really well. Uh, I, I sat with him for three hours, and I said, "I want wow. let's talk about, let's talk up until, you know, let's, let's talk until you are tired of talking, and then we'll set up another thing. And he said, that sounds great. And at the end of the three hours, we agreed to meet some more, and then I never, I never got the, the, uh, you, an email or phone call back. So I, I talked to him. Website. Yeah, yeah. His website had great Marvel inside stories to it back in the day. Of course, yeah, yeah. You know, I would have, I would have loved to have gotten more of. You know, I, I was talking a lot about just his his childhood and his early days at Marvel, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him about a lot of you know the more controversial parts of his Marvel career. And wow. uh, and I went, you know, when people had told me stories, I would. You know, I emailed him and I said, look, you know, this is what some people have said, and I'd love to talk to you about that. And I, I would have really liked to have gotten his side of stories on, on, yeah. you know, more of, more of those incidents. But uh, it'll, it'll just have to stand as it is until he's... <laughs> he's two two Spider-Man-related shooter stories I want to talk about. Uh, the black suit costume idea bought for a few hundred bucks from Shooter, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. <laughs> some, some kid, huh, just had an idea for a new black suit. What a deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much, I, you know, I don't know what the metric would be for how much Marvel made on, on that. But, oh, uh, yeah, a ton, more than they, a couple hundred bucks. They did okay with it. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, the other thing, Secret Wars. Secret Wars sealed me as a Marvel fan for life. Uh, mm-hmm. And Mattel, was it Mattel? Is that who? I, I think it was. Uh, it was, yeah. Mattel, Mattel, the you wrote in the book about. I think it was Kenner. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think it was Mattel. Yeah. Yeah, Mattel. Kenner was superpowers. I know that one. Right, um, okay. The toy company thought the word "secret" and "war" would sell well, and then they said, "Marvel make something with this, right?" Is that how that yeah. came out? I, that's that's one. Yeah, I've heard that. Yes, and I. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Secret Wars is is uh, is such an interesting. I, I think that for, for a lot of people, that's a you know, uh, kind of like Gwen Stacy's death. You know, yeah. that's kind of like a dividing line for a lot of fans. You know, I think I think a lot of people, um, you know, just see that as the beginning of the end in, in some ways. And I think for a lot of people, it's kind of it's just the beginning. And and uh, you know, I was right there with my sixty-five cents every month. Um, no doubt. Um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it was also it, it was it was the beginning of of a lot more. Um, you know, intricate, interwoven, uh, expensive storylines, um, you know, yeah. for, for, for better and worse, uh, you know, and, and I think that that's ultimately what as a, you know, as a teenager, I think that's what kind of just broke me. I just, I, I couldn't keep up with reading, you know, uh, six, six comics a week or something, you know, I right. mean, they weren't, they were no longer a dime. <laughs> no, Hey, I, when I first started, they were fifty cents, and now they're three ninety nine, which is insane. Right. Uh, another jump into the nineties a little bit. Um, the bagging of amazing, I mean, of McFarlane Spider Man number one. I'd never heard that story. They they got the idea from. Uh, I forget. Can you talk a little bit about the bag? I forget how how the bag came about. Yeah, I think it was a sailing magazine. Um, yeah, had, uh, sailing. Yeah, this, that's right. Uh, yeah, I'd use this strategy of 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 uh, putting a poly bag around the magazine and maybe a calendar that, that they, you know, that came along with it. And uh, somebody in marketing you know, just yeah. thought that was a great idea. They sold a, ton, a million copies. Biggest selling book in a long time. I don't think it's all time, is it? I could be wrong. Uh, no, I mean, they, they went through this crazy uh, yeah. period where they just kept breaking their own records. Um, right. Spider-Man. X Force, X Men, yeah, no doubt. Those were the times, and then when you reach the the peak, well, I, you would think after going to the newsstand, Dirty Magazine's been in bags for years. I don't know why they thought of a sailing magazine. <laughs> I know I <laughs> that know. gave them gave them the idea. I just think that it was maybe they just didn't want to admit that they've been reading Dirty Magazine for the idea. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Spider Man Triple X variant. That, that's what right. that was in the bag. Yeah. Uh, going into the uh, the late nineties, the uh, the fall, the bankruptcy, etc. I mean, Marvel pretty much almost went under. Just the bad business dealings. It was it was hard to keep track of everything that was going on in the management of that in the late nineties. How how far they were about to go from us not seeing Spider Man like, ever again? Yeah, yeah. I, and it, you know, again, that that was that was a time where I I personally was not reading a lot of comics and. Just kind of through a peripheral vision, you know, I yeah. would just see those those chrome covers, <laughs> and you know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, and I would see them kind of start to just pile up, <laughs> you know, and in, in people's and mm-hmm. people's living rooms and boxes, and and uh, it, it was just a weird a weird time for for the whole comics world, I guess. Um, yeah, no doubt. Marvel trying to distribute its own books. Uh, splitting the editors. There was four editors. The Tom DeFalco story, where um, he did, did he learn that he was not going to be the editor in chief for a friend or something? I, I, it's been a while since I read that part, but it, uh, yeah, I, I think I think he he uh, he was he was he was going to be uh, replaced the by a, a number of editors in, yeah. in chief. Yeah, 
and uh, and and some a younger employee came up to him and and I, I think he'd he'd been given sort of an honorary title, and right, so they yeah. of course you know in typical you know corporate PR fashion you know they announced that oh he, Tom Tom DeFalco is going to now be this, and and right. some kind of kind of green kid on staff said. Uh, Said, oh man, congratulations! <laughs> yeah, know. exactly. That's the part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He said, "You don't, you don't understand, kid," <laughs> and walked away. I'm, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Two <laughs> thousands uh, were rebuilding. Uh, Joe Quesada came in there. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was a nice selling surprise. The two thousands were uh, just getting Marvel share back, I guess, <laughs> getting them on the right track in Hollywood and in the newsstand, I guess. Yeah, and I think you know. Um, one thing that I tried really hard to do, uh, you know, in research for this book was to figure out why it, why it suddenly worked in Hollywood. And, mm. and I, you know, I think a lot of it was just, it just, the, you know, stars finally aligned for them. I, I don't think there was any, any, uh, you know, teachable moment, as they say. I don't, I don't think that there was, there was anything the different that they had started doing. It's just that, um, you know, the rights to Spider-Man finally, um, you know, got untangled and, uh, you know, the X-Men was, you know, was a, was a big hit and which, which, which helped, you know, raise Marvel's visibility a, a little bit. But, um, uh, but, you know, if those movies had failed, I, you know, yeah. who knows? <laughs> Well, I think yeah. the special effects help them out a lot too. I mean, uh, you could the the live action Spider Man show. We were amazed as kids watching a guy hooked to wires crawling up the side of the building. So the the modern audience is is used to big special effects, etc. Now, so sure, sure. Uh, before we hit the message board questions, one thing I want to ask about uh, with Spider fans: the one more day storyline where Spider Man made the deal with the devil, etc., and the marriage ended. That that leads to the last line of your book about how Spider-Man and others are passed from one temporary custodian to the next, and they're denied an end. This is just that That's just another example of he really just kind of resets himself a little bit with the next caretakers. Right, I right. Thought, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the, the characters just, just sort of keep going on, no matter... You know, if you if you look at the Marvel universe as like this this great majestic river that's rushing by everyone, right. everybody's like kind of like throwing their contributions, you know, throwing you know throwing their their boats in, and uh, and it's you know everything's gonna the, the the people the actual people who are are creating the comics are are not gonna be there for the whole journey. It's just it's right. they just sort of get swallowed into it. Yeah, and that the was a really, really bad metaphor, and I apologize. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, I mean, the characters really can't move that much. They're kind of stuck in in a, kind of a box that they can only bounce off the walls a little bit. I mean, Bart Simpson's always going to be ten. Spider-Man's can maybe be late teens, or mid twenties. I mean, he can't really age that much. Yeah, well, and the, Bart you Simpson know? is a is a really great, uh, you know, a, a, a great analog because you know. Yeah. There, there isn't a lot in in uh, you know in storytelling. There, there aren't a lot of examples of, of characters that that just keep you know where, where their adventures are just churned out so relentlessly. And mm-hmm. so uh, you know you, you something say you know take 
the wire or, you know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a finite end to that and you can, you can go through these changes and, and end everything. But how do you, you know, how do you, how do you keep a character mm-hmm. in the same, you know, the, the same basic situation over and over again, you just cycle yeah. out readers, you know, people, exactly. people move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a few message board questions for you. Let's hit those now. We have uh, Spider Mon. I don't know if they're from Jamaica or not, but uh, they said, Howdy, Sean. Uh, love the book. One of the most shocking things I found was how young Stan Lee was when he was running the Marvel offices, 18, I believe. Could you go into more detail about him? He he got a job really young, didn't he? Yeah. Kept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, you know, he sort of... Uh, not quite grandfathered in, but uh, mom's cousined in, uh, yeah. you know, just was, had, I think, you know, had a bunch of odd jobs and, and just, I think he was kind of just like a kid who somebody needed to find a job for him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, he ended up at the Marvel, Marvel doorstep and, uh, and, you know, overlapped briefly with, with Joe Simon and, and Jack Kirby and, uh, yeah, that was, let's see, uh, 73 years ago. <laughs> My God, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he, he was related to to someone in the office. Was it Kirby, or who was he related to that got the, him in the door? I forget. Well, Martin Goodman, the publisher. Martin uh, Goodman, yes. The, the guy, the owner of Marvel Comics, uh, right. uh, was, uh, was a, let's see, his wife, I believe, was... Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna it's fall okay, down. But, it's it's a long it, family tree. <laughs> yeah, it's a long family tree. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, one, real quick about Goodman, who's an interesting character that we didn't really go into much. But he he had tickets for the Hindenburg, but he went, took a plane. I thought that was that's, crazy. That's what. Yeah, that's what his son <laughs> told me. It was a it was a sort oh, of a wow. a family story that uh, you know had been had been passed on, and uh, uh, yeah, that. That could have very easily, uh, you know, we, I guess we would just have, we might have Superman and Batman. <laughs> true, that's true. Uh, uh, Spider Mon also asks, what's another crazy story that didn't make it into the book? Oh, boy. Um, that's going to be hard to, I, I, I certainly tried any, anything that I felt like I could put in there. <laughs> if, it was, yeah. if it was crazy, uh, it's in there. Any, um, any, any that came out after the book was published that you were like, oh, man, I wish you could have put that in? Yeah, but I'm just there are, but I'm just I'm freezing up. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. it's okay. Uh, Adam T from the UK says, "Hi, Sean. I really enjoyed the book. It's easy to idolize the industry, and it was surprising to read it's run a lot like other businesses. What was the biggest shock you had when researching the book?" I I think, you know, I just had no idea that Stan Lee had had been so disillusioned with the comic book industry. Um, in the early seventies. And I think, I think that was, that was a shocker for me. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but there's a, there's a, a point at which he tells, you know, a, a, he's at a, a, a convention of cartoonists and he says, if some kid came up to me and said, what should I do with this character I've created? You know, who should, how should I get this published? I'd say, keep it, kid. Like, keep, <laughs> take it to Hollywood yeah. where they'll, they'll give you something for your creation. Um, right. And that's, that's astonishing to me because it's not something that, you know, it's, no, it's something did. that Stanley yeah. seems now, now we think of Stanley is oblivious to all of those things, 
you know, that mm-hmm. he, he, he doesn't really think much about, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of the business. But uh, there was a time where he was, uh, he wanted out because he, he just thought it was uh, too rough a business. He went off to make a movie that never got made, I, I think. Or yeah, The released. Monster Maker with Alain yeah. René, a French New Age <laughs> filmmaker who just died a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Big Al has a question for you. Hello, sir. My question is, did your perceptions of any particular characters, stories, creators, or Marvel itself change at all in researching writing Marvel the Untold Story? I think I missed part of, part of the, the oh, question there. I'm sorry. Did, did your perceptions of any particular characters, stories, or creators, or Marvel itself change in your research and writing? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I knew that, I knew that there was a... Uh, you know, I knew that there was a non-official history of Marvel, and I and I knew that there were a lot of you know uh, a, a lot of unhappiness. Uh, there, there was a lot of unhappiness at different times, and that there were a lot of creators who who felt wronged at different times. But uh, I I I think that you know it, it was it, it's such a it's such a simple. This sounds ridiculous and so obvious, but but you know to to just be reminded over and over again that you know that marvel is you know in one sense it is this universe but it's it's also it is a series of trademarks by a yeah. you know publicly traded company that makes money for people um and and that you know it's strange to me um i guess because <laughs> there's still a little kid inside me it's strange to me that um mm-hmm. You know that there's it's this it's this mythology that that you know we all grow up with and we all um, feel such closeness to, and and yet we don't own it. Yeah, exactly. Two two stories that made uh, when he asked this question made me think the Steve Gerber Destroyer Duck where Howard went into the alternate universe. The Steve Gerber thing just I don't know much about him, but reading your book it made me he's a fascinating guy. I mean, just reading that. About the Howard yeah. the Duck aspects, etc. Another story in your book that I, I didn't know about was uh, the reason why John Byrne blew up Pittsburgh because it was John, Jim Shooter's hometown in Starbrand. Yeah, well, well, I, I think that was crazy. I think I was very <laughs> careful to not say that explicitly because because oh, John Byrne denies it. <laughs> but, okay. but it is it is hard it is hard to read those it is hard oh, to look yeah. at those comics and believe that there's any other explanation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are two of my favorites. Yeah, uh, Andrew Roebuck says you cover multiple multitude of different writers and comics in here that may be difficult for a reader to search out. Any advice how to get access to some of those older stories? Yeah, um, uh, boy, I wish I knew what he was looking for. <laughs> just interview I, the creators. I mean, uh, what, what I would guess. That? I mean, they're. Just interview the creators. You got to get it firsthand, I think. Oh, is he talking? About, he's is he talking about the the behind the scenes stories, or is he talking about the actual comic stories? And that it may be difficult for a reader to search. I think he's talking about the the stories behind the scenes is what he's talking about. I mean, that how did you get access to some of those? Like interviewing uh, yeah. Lee and Rumita, etc. Yeah, that's what I think you, he's getting. You know, I, I think you know there's. One 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 really good source of a lot of that stuff. I mean, outside of actually, you know, talking to the people uh, who who were there, which of course, you know, they have time limitations and 
and right. uh, and you know I, I had to really make my case that this was a book that was going to be published. I promise, you know. Um, yeah. uh, you know, th- there's there's uh, magazines like like Alter Ego um, that, that Roy Thomas edits now, um, and, and and it's filled with with really you know kind of great behind the scenes stories and and history that you know that you wouldn't have known before before looking at it. Um, so get a, get a subscription to Alter Ego or or check out an cool. issue online. Yeah. He also asked if you ever thought about doing a book uh, based on the DC side of the things. Yes, I D- thought about it every single time. <laughs> every <laughs> single time I talk to someone about the Marvel book, <laughs> um, I can't help but think about it because I'm asked. Yeah. Um, uh, which is which is very uh, you know very flattering, but uh, I I I think that uh, I think it would just be such a physical <laughs> chore for me at this point. I. I, I think maybe uh, you know someone else. Someone else is probably better suited to do it. I I grew up a, a you know a, a bigger fan of Marvel than DC, uh, although I I did read DC and liked a lot of it. But but I would just I would have too much remedial, um, you know, work to do to to catch up. Right. Um, his other question is: What uh, were there any creators that you wanted to get a hold of but you couldn't? Besides Ditko. <laughs> Oh, I mean, um, probably bunches. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the first ones that come to mind are the ones who who died either right before, mm. or, you know, or during. You know, I, I never was able to get time with Joe Simon. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, but but I would say that thankfully, you know, people were were pretty generous with their time, and and uh, there aren't a lot of you know. There aren't a lot of holdouts, um, you know. I, I think, I think that you know, it's uh, it's really Im- important to me that that this stuff gets you know recorded, you know, for posterity. And uh, right. and right. and you know, back back to the question of uh, you know, would I be doing a DC book? I mean, I really hope somebody does, and I would love for somebody to do another Marvel book. And I would, you know, mm. I, I think, yeah. um, you know, every year, you know, these. These legendary creators are are, are passing, right. and uh, and I, I wish that there were more people that were that were uh, you know getting their stories, um, you know, rather than just yeah. yeah. You talked about Byrne denying the Pittsburgh story. Were you able to get a hold of Byrne at all? Uh, he politely declined to decline. I, 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 yeah, he he, he wrote he, me he's back. Another one. To say no. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he's another one that has an air of mystery around him that I mean he still holds a grudge against uh, Marvel for canceling that X-Men book in the two, 99 2000 era. So Yeah, yeah. I I you know I I would have I would have really loved to have, have talked to him but I you know no. I get the feeling he would have he would have he would have been ready for the interview to be over with by the time it began. So yeah. he, uh, he, he doesn't seem he, like he suffers <laughs> Much yeah. <laughs> gladly. <laughs> uh, Andrew also says, thanks for an amazing book that made us realize that most of my favorite writers are flawed human beings like the rest of us. That's what Marvel's about. They're about human characters. And so the, that's why the people that write them are humans, too, I think. That sums uh, up pretty nice. good. I, Irish lad from uh, Ireland says, Sean, were you surprised at Stan Lee when it came to quotes such as him saying he didn't understand why people waste their time reading comics? You already mentioned that. And was this a bit of an eye-opener on the usual Stan Hale fellow well-meet persona? What's your thought? 
Yes, it was. Oh, now, and what's your thoughts on the Kirby Ditko Leafs strife on what created what? Has Stanton been less than forthcoming on these issues, and will his legacy be somewhat tarnished over these matters? Yeah, I, I, I think you know we probably probably covered those as much as, as yeah. much as I, I can. But um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, for, uh, for for me, it would you know rather than rather than you know seeing people diminish. You know, Stan Lee. It would be it would be great if if uh, if you know people could just like get the word out more on on Kirby and Ditko. Um, yeah. And I, I I do think that that in many ways Stan Lee's contributions have been overstated. Um, but I think that I think that there are other contributions that he made. You know, just in terms of being an editor and and being a talent scout and being an art director and being a spokesperson that uh, yeah. that you know people tend to you know, kind of gloss over some of those things, too. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Our buddy George, uh, what feedback, if any, have you received from the writers, artists, and editors covered in the book and from Marvel in general? Uh, really, really good. Um, I mean, I, I suppose there, there could be people who are cursing my name, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they, haven't, they, haven't, uh, they haven't told me so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, editor Tom Brevoort shares a lot of your stuff from Tumblr on his site too so i think he i think he was a fan at least i'm assuming yeah we've uh, had nice conversations yeah yeah uh another question from george do you feel that dc's lack of a front man like lee or lack of the equivalent of a marvel mary a mary marvel marching society hindered them hmm that's a good question um i i, I suppose it i suppose it it could have helped um in the yeah. in the 60s um you know, I, I, I think also probably, you know, maybe being a little more uh, daring in the content of their comics. Right. You know, yeah. it, although, although I will say, you know, when I was when I was working on the, the the research for this, and I was going back, and I was, it's really easy to say, oh, DC heroes were really stale, and and you know, Marvel was this you know fresh breath, but but. Uh, there's a lot of great DC stuff that was happening exactly at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at, you know, Bill Kane's Green Lantern, for instance, or Carmine mm-hmm. Infantino's uh, Flash. Um, and, 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 you know, that's actually something that I'm, you know, now that I'm not, <laughs> you know, just feel like I have to be reading Marvel comics all the time for work. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm kind of looking forward to I'm, I'm catching up to a lot of, a lot of the kind of great, you know right. the stuff that's not, not Marvel. George has another question. Would you consider writing a book based on the EC comics and Max Gaines? And I'm even less qualified to, to do that, but uh, <laughs> but I would I would love I would love to read. You know, I, I think there is a fairly recent um, book about you know Gaines and Mad, but uh, I haven't I haven't read it. Um, I'm you know that's. I, I I enjoy those those stories every time I read them, and yet somehow never seem to make the time to read more of them. Um, this next question is, uh, which I, I thought of instantly after I read the book: have, have any producers expressed an interest in adapting the book for TV or film? I think it'd make yes. a great movie. I re- well, oh, they have. Well, yeah, but you know, as, as you can imagine, there's a lot to you know, there's a lot to get around you, because yeah. Marvel's not going to <laughs> cooperate with with the story as it stands, 
And if you don't have Marvel cooperation, you have this story without its characters. Um, uh, and, yeah. and so, uh, you know, but, but yeah, there, you know, there, there have been people who, who have been interested in talking about how, how to work around that. So. Mm. Yeah. That, that, I, I think it'd be a great movie. Any anybody to cast a Stanley? I mean, he could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, every once in a while, I, I there's somebody yeah. there's somebody recently that I, I you and McGregor would probably be really good. Oh, Larry, that's not bad. Uh, Tetsu Man from Springfield, Missouri. What do you think was uh, Marcel's biggest blunder? Now, I'm not asking about storylines or creative decisions. My opinion is that acquiring Heroes World as their biggest blunder, but I'm interested in what you think based on your research. Refresh me, Marcel. Oh, Marvel's. Good grief. I can't even read. He misspelled Marvel. <laughs> what do you think was Marvel's biggest blunder? He spelled Marcel. I'm like, who's Marcel? <laughs> so so the biggest blunder, in, he's not talking about, what was his disclaimer there? No, uh, he says, um, I'm not, what was his biggest blunder? I'm not talking about the storylines or the creative decision. My opinion is that they're acquiring Heroes World as their biggest blunder, but I'm interested in what you I think see. based on your research. Yeah. I see. Um that was a big one. Heroes <laughs> um, yeah, World, Heroes no World really hurt them. I I would say that you know, if I was if I was to look at a you know at a at a moment, if you know if if one had a time machine, the moment to go back, you know, it would probably just be to to kind of put the brakes on things a little bit when you know when they were just expanding like mad. Heroes World was part of that, um, but it was it was actually a that was a kind of late in the game and they were already flailing at that point. You know, maybe they shouldn't have bought Fleer. Yeah, <laughs> the, the cards and the, the Toy Biz. I, maybe Toy Biz was a good buy. I don't know. But they, they were buying up things like uh, Monopoly pieces. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they had a lot of a lot of plastic pieces. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, Corin from the Liverpool, UK says, Hi, Sean. Thanks so much for a great book. Would you be interested in revisiting or revisiting it in 10 to 15 years when the current generation of writers has come has some distance on their time at Marvel and feel like they don't have to toe the company line. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I, I'd be interested in, in, you know, maybe adding a little bit to the book. I, I, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, you asked me earlier, what was, what was something that I was surprised, surprised by that was uh -huh. left out. And, uh, you know, I found out a, a little bit more about, uh, you know, the, the, after I finished the book, I found out a little bit more about just how the Avengers movie was, was put together and how Marvel Studios, um, kind of crafted their, their deal. Um, and if, if you search my name and, and, and slate.com, I, I wrote a piece, um, okay. a couple of years ago and, and that's, there's some interesting stuff in there that, that would oh, go, yeah. I would put that into a, an expanded version. Yeah. When I when I put it on the front page, I'll, I'll uh, put that link on the oh, uh, front terrific. page so people can read it. So maybe I'll just shoot me an email with the address if you can. Uh, also, what, what's your favorite era or creative run at Marvel? Well, you know, I, I uh, on one hand, it's it's probably Frank Miller's Daredevil. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I think you know, there's it's not just nostalgic. It's it's also that it it has held up for me, you know, and, and, you know, surpassed just nostalgia. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, that's a really, uh, of course, that's a subjective, uh, very, very, uh, like, uh on, a, on a different day, I might say something else. Yeah. 
hopefully the Netflix show has a little bit of that more than the Ben Affleck movie. I don't know. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the director's cut is a little bit better than the uh, the th- theatrical, or at least I don't know if you've seen the Daredevil director's cut. But... I I have not, but I, I guess <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready to go back in there yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question for Mr. Metz. Are there any individuals whose contribution to the Spider-Man comics is underrated? Probably tons. Uh, I'll I'll try to think of a couple. Um I think Ross Andrew. Uh, yeah. Um, I think um, Gil Kane. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, Ron Friends and Tom DeFalco. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, boy. Yeah. One that I've said, oh, one of the ones I've said over the years is Sal Buscema. He had a hundred... Uh, issue run on Spectacular Spider-Man, nobody hardly ever talks about it. We've interviewed him on the podcast before. Oh, but he he launched that uh, Spectacular book back in the mid-70s when Spider-Man got us... Actually, that was a, probably a third title, wasn't he? He had Marvel Team-Up out also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... All right. Um, the book, if you'd like to pick it up, where can we pick it up? Amazon? Uh, it's, in, it's in softcover now. I have the hardcover. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in soft cover. Um, it's uh, if you if you have a chance, go into your local bookstore and ask them to order it. <laughs> that way, that way you can support the local business. Right, and you've got a lot of positive reviews. I'm looking at the Hollywood Reporter, the New York Times, Los Angeles Times. You get a lot of positive feedback for this book. Talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. Uh, it's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's been really uh, wonderful to to um, you know. I, I, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting when, when, uh, you know, I, I won't lie, I was paying attention to all the reviews and, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was interesting how, uh, I think, you know, the Wall Street Journal, for instance, um, yeah. gave a very nice write up, but, but, you know, was sort of, um, was sort of reading political ideas into it and, and, and I liked, I liked that, that people, People were were sort of attaching my book's viewpoint to whatever their viewpoint was, but but kind of <laughs> you know I I, I, I liked that that uh, that I felt like I, I was kind of like straight down the line enough that it didn't it didn't come across as a you know right. a, a tract yeah right uh, any other comic related stuff coming from you or what should we look for uh, the Tumblr account always has something on it yeah you know I'll I'll Probably just uh, uh, nothing, nothing to to say right now. But but I will, uh, you know, on the Tumblr, I'll I'll keep people keep, if 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 they're paying attention, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll, I'll keep people posted. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, cool. Um, Sean, I appreciate you taking time. Good interview. Hey, good I'm, talking I'm, to you. I, I was amazed with all the inside stuff you were able to dig out. That was awesome. You you reading anything currently? I mean, are are you still into the books? Um, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm I've been meaning to. To get a lot of stuff, but no, I just I've been so uh, so totally slammed with with work. But um, yeah. uh, I think Hawkeye was the last thing that I was ah. looking at. Um, cool. What do you What do you like? Oh, I, I'm a Marvel zombie through and through. There, <laughs> I, I okay. still um, all the Avengers, all the X Men, all the Spider Man and Hulk. It's, it's, yeah. it's 
it's it sealed me from when I was five years old picking up off the spinner rack. <laughs> so sure, I, right, I, right. I, 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 I'm with the, the characters till I can't download them anymore, or whatever it is. What the next? <laughs> right. When, when the when the paper isn't released anymore. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been I've been meaning to go back and read um, the the old uh, Roy Thomas Avengers. Um, yeah. I, w- I want to go read like those first Ultron issues. Like you know, kind of. Re- of the movie. my my memory for when that movie comes out. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for taking time on a Sunday afternoon. I appreciate it. It's snowing sure. here in Jop- it's snowing here in Joplin, Missouri. Hopefully, it's better weather up in New York for you. You're, right. you're going to be out, you're going to be out of town for a few months you, or a few weeks. You said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 going somewhere warm, so that's that's great. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean. You have a good Sunday, man. I appreciate it. Great book. You too. Stay warm. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.